Hi, this is George Thorgood. Hey, this is Pat Travers. Hey, this is Steve Lukather of Toto. Hi, y'all. This is Charlie Daniels, and you're listening to Jimmy Warren. Hey, everybody. It's Jimmy Warren here on Guitar Talk. Welcome. Tonight, my guest is the one and only Mark Goldenberg. Now, Mark Goldenberg has played guitar for Jackson Brown, Willie Nelson, Linda Ronstadt, Bonnie Raitt, Ringo Starr, and countless others. He is an amazing guitar player with a really long history and a lot of knowledge. We're going to pick his brain a little bit, get as much information as we possibly can. So sit back for the next, oh, 40 minutes or so and enjoy my conversation with the one and only Mark Goldenberg right here on Guitar Talk with Jimmy Warren. How are you? I'm good, Mark. This is Jimmy Warren with Guitar Talk. How are you doing today? Hi, Jimmy. I'm good. How are you? Are you in Kankakee? <laughs> I am. I'm south of Chicago. Nice. Yeah, well, not, Chicago? Not, uh, yeah, we're just about 45 minutes south of the city. I can hear the Chicago in your accent because <laughs> I am also from Chicago. Yeah, I knew that. I knew that. They pretty much whipped the accent out of me uh, for yeah. de- from decades. But by the end of this conversation, I'll be, I'll be talking. <laughs> I'll be saying, what are you doing? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you've been out, you've been out west for forever, haven't you? Oh, yeah, for decades. Yeah, that's what I thought. Mm. I unfortunately moved out here. Like, I came out here in, like, in the 70s. You know, I was in a band in Chicago called the Eddie Boy Band. Uh Uh-huh. And we got a record deal, and so we decided, well, we're going to make it and be famous. So we all moved out to California. And um, when I moved out to, to L.A., you know, I think the next New Year's Day... I was uh, talking to my ma on the phone and uh, she was like, we can't get out of the house because there's a snow drift. And I was in a, I had a, you know, a bad apartment in Hollywood with a balcony and I was on it in my shorts, <laughs> January 1st, like sweating, going, you know, I think I'm going to stay. So I stayed a long time. So now every time I go back to Chicago, it's like, it's 70 degrees and I have like three coats on because my blood is thinned out <laughs> so much. Yeah, well, it's it's cool here when it's 70, you know? Yeah, exactly. It is. It's, it's, it's definitely cool. That's what it probably is today in the high 60s, you know, right around 70. And it's, you know, it's chilly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's different there. I love it. I love Chicago. Still love Chicago. Uh you know, most of my family, I don't have family there anymore, but I've got cousins and stuff. I've got an aunt, but, uh, you know, my, my parents have passed, so I don't have the opportunity. To, well, I'm not going anywhere right now anyway, but yeah. I, uh, uh, I, you know, I was, I was in Chicago, Bob, a couple of years ago. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. It's a great city. One of the great cities. It is. It is. And it's a great musical town. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. A good place to... To, to learn and to grow as a musician and, you know, maybe even plant yourself. Who knows? Exactly. <laughs> so I got to ask you, you know, um, I've, I've actually one of those guys that's followed your career forever. Uh-huh. You know, you're an amazing player and you got amazing co- accomplishments in that. I, I'm curious how you even picked up the guitar in the first place. What made you want to play guitar? What led to that? Well, Two th- there are two two things. Let me turn that off so I don't hear binging. Um, two things happened to me. The first thing that happened was that my dad was a guitar fan. 
he loved guitar music, but he loved classical guitar. Mm-hmm. So he decided he was going to learn how to play guitar. When I was, uh, you know, maybe 10 or 11, he started playing, taking lessons from a guy in Chicago whose name was Richard Pick. And Richard Pick was like, at the time, this is like in the, you know, early 60s, was the top classical teacher in Chicago. He had, he was well regarded uh, and even had his own model of Richard Pick Gibson classical guitar. Oh, wow. So I, which I have, I have my dad's Richard Pick guitar, which is a beautiful guitar. It's got like uh, incredible uh, Brazilian rosewood back and sides. It's not very loud, but it's a pretty nice, it's a pretty guitar. Yeah. Uh, and I will, you know, that's like my guitar. So it's just like, I love that guitar. So anyway, my dad used to take me down to whenever he would go take his guitar lesson. It would be in the evening. So we would go do it. It was kind of like a father something. He, he would go take his lesson and then. I would sit in the, the they had a, like a waiting area in his salon or studio, and uh, I would like he had like Gibson guitar catalogs, so there was nothing else to read there. So I would look through the guitar catalogs, and I was like looking at all these cool guitars, and but it was still like I wasn't really too interested in it, but it was kind of interesting. And then the next thing that happened was the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. <laughs> yeah. And when I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, that was like at first I didn't under I didn't understand it. I was like. What are these guys doing? But I knew that it was cool because there were all these girls screaming. <laughs> but I also had no idea what was really going on. But I, but somehow in my pea brain, I kind of made the connection of if you get a guitar, you might be cool. And I was about thirteen then, right? So, yeah. uh, so that started it. So I, you know, I asked my parents, uh, you know, for a guitar, and they said this is what they did to me. They said, well, you got to take classical guitar lessons first. And if you, if you take classical lessons with Richard Pick, then we will get you an electric guitar. So they like, they made a deal with me that I would have to go take some classical lessons, which I'm actually eternally grateful for because it was great studying with Richard Pick. He was fantastic. And he had a really good method. And, and then, you know, eventually I did, I got an, I got like an SG junior and a Kalamazoo amp. I was really lucky, you know, to get a, a to start out on it with a really good guitar, so that's kind of how it all started for me. Then, then of course, at that point when I got my electric guitar, I was kind of like, "Well, I don't need these classical guitar lessons anymore." You know, I was then. You know, this was like around the time of, you know, well, let's see, that would be sixty-seven, sixty-eight, sixty-seven. Probably is when I got my guitar and I started really maybe sixty, yeah, sixty-six, end of sixty-six. I was getting into electric, so you know that music that was coming out there was like you know. Rock and roll was just full force. Yeah. So, so who, I, who were the guys that were influencing you? Because at that, as that point in time, it was was it all the standard guys? You know the, you know the, outside of the Beatles, you know Clapton and and so on. Or, or it was really it? standard guys. Like I, I, I was really attuned to the, to the guitar. Although I did have to go down the street to my friend. Uh, Friend's house to actually have him show me how to bend the string because I had no idea what people were doing. I said, "Can't do it," and he's like, "Well, you've got thirty, you've got like the heavy set on your on your guitar, dude." And he showed me how to like get the banjo string because I didn't even have super slinkies yet, you know. So there was a learning process, but yeah, the guys that so I was starting like the first record I remember that I went, "What is that?" Was uh, over under sideways down by the Yardbirds. Oh, okay. 
so I that was like a guitar, but it sounded I thought it was a saxophone. Uh, but my friend Reed Goldstein down the street, the guy just taught me how to bend strings. He said, "No, that's a guitar." And I said, "Like what?" <laughs> and then uh, so I got I got so that so like Jeff Beck was like the first guy. Then it was Jimmy Page, Clapton, and Hendrix. Those were the were the guys, right? For me, they yeah. were the guys. Am I missing any of the guys? I think those are the guys. Yeah. No, those were the guys, those would have been the guys at that time. You know. Yeah, so that those were the guys. So I like got obsessed and uh, uh, with with that style of playing with bending strings. So that was like you know, that was it for my classical guitar lessons. I, I was like into a whole other world. And then after that, I got into you know because all that was basically a lot of it was blues based. And then after uh, I spent some time you know delve deep in the psychedelic pool. I uh, I was fortunate enough to have somebody show me what like real blues guitar sounded like especially you know people like otis rush and bb king and those guys i was like oh i get it all these guys over here are just copying that old that older stuff so it was really educational so yeah i went from like you know the english blues gods to the, to the real blues gods it was i was lucky to, to get that experience so evidently, in the beginning, if you're taking classical lessons, you're probably learning, you know, actual music, music theory and stuff like that. Was that something that continued on, you know, even when you switched over to the electric? Did you continue to learn music or were you starting to move towards learning the play by ear, you know, doing more things that way? Or Well, I, uh, well my mom was a classical pianist. So, like, in my house, they, they, they put a big premium on getting lessons so really before i'd ever played the guitar i took piano for a couple of years and then i when we moved out to lincolnwood you know lincolnwood i do i know where it is yeah but that's i uh tui and cicero that's my intersection okay <laughs> i people in chicago uh geographically de describe themselves by their intersections so. yeah yeah that's 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 absolutely true so I'm a two and sister for you Chicagoans. Uh, so uh, my parents, uh, I took piano and then I actually played French horn. I switched over to French horn all the way through grade school, high school. Even my first year of college, I played French horn. So yeah, so I was constantly, yes, I, I was always getting a musical education of some sort. I didn't really study guitar per se, past Richard Pick's a uh, couple of years until, uh, but I, I re I restudied when I got back out to LA. I mean, I was always like, you know, I buy books and stuff like that, but I was self-directed, but I wasn't, uh, I didn't really have a plan, mm -hmm. you know? So when I went to, I, I, I actually went to music school and I played French horn, but I, I actually became more of a composition major. So I studied piano because at the time I went to music school, which you're going to laugh, but they didn't even offer guitar. Guitar was not considered a, quote, instrument in music school, especially, well, at the Chicago Conservatory where I was going. So I, I had to, I actually had to play piano, which was pathetic, but I did. <laughs> well, uh, you, you can tell, though, in your, in your, in your music. You know what I mean? That that you have a, a pretty solid, you know, background in songwriting and theory and melodies and, you know, things of that, you know, which which was probably really helpful, you know, to, to go through what you did. Well, you, to, 
the, I have to say that I, I was really lucky. I've always had great teachers. I had a great piano teacher in Chicago. And when you have a great teachers, they're so inspiring. You just, you know, it's like contagion. You know, you get just get the bug and you want to play and you want to learn all this stuff because there's a lot to learn and it's so fantastic. And music is kind of amazing art. But, and when I moved out to LA, I, start, I studied, I got into, I studied with a guy out here named Abby Frazier who was uh, a piano teacher and he taught mostly professional grade people. Uh, he took me on. He was, he was great. He had been like a NBC radio pianist in the forties. So he was like his, he had a high bar, you know, it was like, mm -hmm. you know, you, you, you came prepared for the lesson or you went home, you know? Right. So he was great. And he taught me counterpoint and, uh, harmony. And we played a lot of that. He would always put incredibly difficult stuff in front of me and go, you just look at the notes and play them. With it's a seven a.m. He's got a cigar. He's Abby Fraser. It's like, Mark, <laughs> just read the notes and play them. That's all. That's there's no mystery. I'm like, what? But he was kind. Uh, and then he passed away. And then I got so after he passed away, I got. I started taking some lessons with another guy, and it wasn't really floating my boat. And then I. I decided, well, maybe I should like spend some time working on my guitar playing because I kind of, I didn't, I neglected it in terms of study. You know, I was always playing and writing on it and I kind of knew some stuff, a little bit of stuff. Uh, and then after Abby passed, I, I fortunately found this guy named Ted Green, who I don't know if you're familiar with Ted, but he was like the guy for teaching guitar in LA. Uh, up until like you know from the 70s through till when he passed in the, i don't know 2000 sometime i don't remember exactly when he passed but he was the like the teacher everybody went to study with ted because he had this ted was like a true musical genius so i was just super fortunate to study with him so i studied with him for like 10 years so i really wow. that was probably the biggest uh musical influence i ever had ted green with an e at the end there's videos of him playing the guy played the guitar like it was a piano like he was fully you uh, it's amazing what this guy could do on the guitar and um, you know anybody like if you if you talk to guitar la studio guitar players uh you know those classic era guys that you know everybody went to study at least it took one lesson from ted and he had some famous books he had a book called chord chemistry and he had a bunch of books that he wrote. And he was like, you know, he was an amazing guy. So that's the story. I learned. That's the stuff I learned from a teacher. <laughs> so so at what point, you know, during all this time of, of taking these lessons and, and getting this all figured out in your life, did you make the decision that I want to use this, you know, to carve out a career? Well, I was always, I was always, whatever it is I was working on, would always kind of seep out no matter what I was, I was writing, you know, I was interested in rock music, you know, the band I, that I had in like the late seventies, early eighties was the Cretones. We were basically a power pop band and I was interested in songwriting and, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the culture of pop of rock music so whatever it was I was working on, of course it would seep in. 
some things are more, you know, applicable applicable than others, but it would always kind of like seep out. I would, if you work on it long enough, this stuff comes out kind of unnatural, comes out, let's say automatically. Right. Uh, And so I wouldn't be like sitting there going, how am I going to work counterpoint into this song that I'm working on? I would probably just go, Oh, let's work on some background vocals and the melody's doing this. So maybe we should have the background vocals do something else over here. Something like those kind of things, you know, aspects of arranging and uh you know arranging for instruments and arranging for voice you know so it wouldn't be like a conscious i'm going to use something i got from the bach chorales mm-hmm. but it it seeped out you know yeah it just happened it just happened yeah it just happened so so what advice would you give you know uh young guys that you know want to make a career out of playing music, you know, and they're, they're just starting or they're, you know, um, learning on their own or whatever, because, you know, your, your career, you've gone on, you've played with amazing people. You've done, you know, some really cool stuff, you know, and there's a lot of guys that would like to, you know, kind of follow in those footsteps, you know, in carving out a career is really difficult. So what are, what are some, maybe some foundational things that, you know, a player should really, you know, focus on, you know, in order to, you know, maybe make that happen? Well, there were, I would have to say that being prepared, like, Mm -hmm. you know, become the best player you can be is definitely a good goal, you know? And these days it's so much easier to get information. Yeah. Like you go on, on YouTube and see a million videos. You can take video lessons with great players especially now everybody and his brother who's a great player like world famous guys are all giving lessons because there's no touring going on and and since we're all you know in lockdown it's also a great time to practice you know so get good on your instrument right that's really and it's so great right now because you know whatever it is that you're interested in whatever style if you're whatever you know uh there's there's avenues for you to find out about it. There's all these great guitar courses you can take. Uh, there's a guy named Rick Beato mm-hmm. who has like incredible guitar videos. He's like you could just learn how to play guitar just from watching his videos. Really great stuff available. So yeah, advice would be get good. Um, you know the when I, I I consider myself really lucky because, you know, there's a lot, everybody's, you know, there's really good musicians. I were always really good musicians. I got, I was lucky to be in the right place at the right time for certain gigs that I got. Uh, being prepared really helped. Uh, being a guy, you know, be the guy that people want to be on the bus with you was like a, a thing. Now, I don't know how much that applies anymore, but you know, when you get a gig playing with people, you're going to spend time with those people. So, you know, make sure that you don't have, that people like being around you, right? You know, so so uh, don't be the guy in the band where everybody goes, oh, here he comes, and then they run away, you know? <laughs> you know, learn how to get along. Right. You know? It's important. You're right. Well, you know, people want to work with people that, you know, they enjoy being around. So, and sometimes you'll take somebody who might not be as good as somebody else just because of that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, talent does not always win out. It's, it's, there's definitely the, that ability, you know, 
I mean, if somebody's going to hire you, if you're going to be an employee at a guitar, as a musician, somebody's going to look at you and go, yeah, he can play the part, but can can I stand being, you know, can I spend, well, it used to be, can I stand spending three months with this guy, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, it doesn't always work out. I've had, I've been really fortunate that like 90% of my tour gigs, I was with people that I really liked. And there have been a couple of situations, I'm not going to mention names, where I got in and I realized I was not the right person for this particular thing. And it happens, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, when they leave your gear on the curb and the bus pulls away, that's a pretty good indicator. Yeah. <laughs> Time to do some uh, self-examination at that point. Exactly. Huh? <laughs> what did I what, Was that thing that I said? Was that wrong? Right. Do I need to shower? Do I need to shower? <laughs> They're all vegetarians. I shouldn't have eaten that steak on the bus. I don't know. <laughs> That's funny. Would, would you say that it's probably good advice to to surround yourself with players better than yourself? Oh, absolutely. Always be the weak link. Yeah. You know, when I was, when I started playing in a professional band, when I was in Chicago and the guys that I were working with were from basically Harlem and Tui, I'm just going to say that, uh, for, so people can get a geographical fix. They were a couple years older than me. Like I was still in high school and these guys were, I was all of a sudden I got in a band with guys that were working. This was like working as a musician. We played the bars on Rush Street and uh we played a lot of gigs and i had to learn first of all i had to learn how to play four sets a night and play eight million songs and i these guys were definitely you know i was just a kid i was a pup i didn't know anything so these guys were a much better level of musician than i was and i had to i had to like pull my weight and it was great because it was really good because when you're with people who are better than you you got to either, you know, show up or, you know, go home and, and it, it makes you a better player. And it's also, it's great to be with, you know, mentors who can show you stuff, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so with, with that said, I mean, who, who, you know, who's influencing you today? I mean, who do you, you know, who do you surround yourself with that, you know, or you might be around that is inspiring you in that same way? Well, I, there's a lot there in terms of guitar players, like there's some ridiculous guitar players coming out. Like Julian Lodge is like an amazing guitar player. Uh, Bill Frizzell is one of my favorite guitar players on the planet. Um, you know, I'm not, the, the, you know, it's not been, I'm not gigging as much anymore. So I'm doing a lot of teaching myself. Yeah. Um, and so, um, Part of what I do is I teach uh, lessons that uh, I got from Ted, you know, Ted Green. So he's still a big influence in my life because, like, if I have a musical question, um, uh, I I can go to his website. Believe it or not, like Ted, even though Ted's not on the planet anymore, his website is. And you can go to his website and there's lessons and arrangements enough for four or five lifetimes i mean i don't even know how the guy had time to write all this stuff but he there is a a wealth it's like a treasure chest of information so uh by being a teacher um 
I am exposed to that kind of like level of greatness. And there's other, you know, like I could, there's a list of people that I, uh, if I start, I'll never stop. There's uh, yeah. for a while I was teaching guitar at the Los Angeles uh, college of music. And there's like Molly Miller, who's an incredible player there. And Adam Levy, those guys were really inspiring. And, um, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, the end, it's endless with guitar players. Yeah. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. <laughs> right. Right. Well, you, you know, you never know, you know, because uh, a person, you know, with, you know, uh, a career as long as your career has been in the accomplishments that you've had, you know, you, you got to wonder how, uh, how you're staying fresh, you know, how you're staying fed. And uh, I would think, you know, you probably gain quite a bit from all the time that you have to spend investing in other people. That's got to help keep you fresh in a lot of ways. Well, you know, I do things to, like, I practice every day. Yeah. You know, I find new books. Like, I found a book called, uh, and, and sometimes my, my students bring, put me down paths because they'll ask me a question. They'll go, I got this book, or I want to learn this song, and if I don't know it, I got to go learn it. And, uh, you know, there might be Ted Green page that might be applicable. I found a new book called Fundamentals of Guitar. There's a guy in New York guy named Miles Okazaki who wrote this really great book about guitar that's like different than any other book I've ever seen. It's kind of very visual and very graphic oriented. And so I do that. I practice, and I, pra I practice the piano. I spend a lot of time at the piano too these days. So, since I got nowhere to go, I do this. The following. I, I, I live by myself. So I, so I practice the piano. I exercise. I meditate. I practice the guitar every day. I cook. And I talk to my pet spider. So it's... <laughs> I'm managing. I'm doing good. Yes, um, I, find, I find one thing is that I would always say, anybody who plays guitar should spend some time learning how to play the piano, too. Yeah. You know, it's just... It's it's a different way of looking at music, but but piano in, in a lot of ways just lays it out really well for you, especially if you're interested in harmony. Mm -hmm. You know, guitar is like, you know, you can only play six notes at a time on the guitar, but on piano you can play ten, and um, you can separate melodies. Like if you're playing a bass line or a melody at the same time, that's actually quite a task on the guitar. Guitar is not easily polyphonic unless you're like a Ted Green or you're playing classical music, but piano, it's kind of like your left hand does one thing, your right hand does another thing, and it's another viewpoint. So, and there's a lot of great books, and there's a lot of great material about music that is kind of piano centric. So, mm -hmm. I know that's a definite thing. You know, play piano and play guitar, and be a, uh, a piano playing guitarist. And you, it, and also, it comes in handy when you actually are playing with piano players, because like sometimes pianos or keyboard players and guitar especially like let's say you're in a jazz context or some other context you got to carve out some space in some places where you both can agree to live on together otherwise you can get you can get kind of crowded so yeah. it's good to know what the other side's doing yeah it's good advice it's good advice now i know you're uh you're kind of a telly guy if i'm correct I I am. I love telling. Yeah. So, so, so tell me about your number one. Tell me why you like, you know, what it is about the Telecaster that you like. Well, first of all, they got it right with the Telecaster. Leo Fender got it right almost like from, you know, like the first time at bat. It's like the Telecaster is 
it's basic. It it doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles. It basically, you know, it's got like a, a volume control, a tone control, a switch, and two pickups, and that's it. That and but there's something about the way it's made, like that bridge plate, that bridge pickup is it works really well together. The neck pickups are sometimes problematic with tellies, but you know, you can put a different one in there or you just make it work. But they're just so simple. And I just like the I I always like the design of it. I just went, oh that's a good looking guitar. For me when I play sitting you know I practice I sit on the couch and practice most of the time. Or in my chair. It's just ergonomically perfect for me. Like it's wide its waist is wide enough so when I sit on my on my couch, it's at a perfect playing height. I mean, that's, I know, a crazy reason, but I can get, I find that with, you can get pretty much any, I find that the tele, uh, let me, how do I say The tele is a really versatile guitar. You can play whatever style of music that you like, you can do it on a tele, you know? I just think that you can, it's such a great platform. Um, so my current, the telly that I'm playing right now that I love the most is 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 actually made by a guy named Dan Stain, and he's got a company called Danocaster, mm-hmm. and he basically makes repro vintage tellies, right? Yeah. So my telly is like a '52 telly. It's a black guard. It's got a natural finish, and it's got a maple neck. And it's got a big fat neck, which I really like. Those big beefy, beefy necks. Uh, it's got a like a it's got a slightly flatter radius than like a, a real vintage. Like the early tellies would be like a seven and a quarter, seven and a half inch radius. And this is maybe seven. I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Seven point two five, I think, is the original radius of a telly. So when you're bending strings, that's that's a pretty big radius. There's a lot of old those old tellies are great, but you have to get the strings up kind of high to be able to bend. Uh, mine has a slightly flatter radius, but doesn't feel flat like a Gibson. So it's super great. It just it rings. This particular guitar is incredible sustain. Rings like a bell. Uh, it it is relict. I don't really care. I'm relic, so it doesn't. <laughs> so it fits. It matches, uh, and it's a, just a great guitar. The pickups are. He makes guitars. He doesn't make his own pickups. He, he the pickups came from a guy. He he installed the pickups, and they're another guy. They're made in Nashville, and the guy is named is who makes the pickups is named Buds B U D Z. That's what they're called, mm-hmm. and they sound great. And his guitar plays and sounds better than. Like I've had a 52 and a 53, definitely for me, it's a better guitar. So I just love it. Guitar. I love it. Yeah. It's a great guitar. So that's it. That's what I'm using as my main guitar. Yeah. Like that's kind of like my main guitar. Like that's kind of what I play all the time. Yeah. I, I've always been a Strat guy, you know, I've always loved the Strat. That's what I personally cut my teeth on and, and grew up with and that. And then at one point in time, I, I, um, I bought my first telly, and I say first because I'm probably like a lot of people. I have way too many guitars nowadays, but I uh, fell I fell in love with it too. I I absolutely love the way it feels. I love the way that it handles. I love the the sound. I think it's just as versatile, in my opinion. You know, I I think the telly's a great guitar. It's really great. It's really simple. Yeah. What I love about it is that 
you get, you know, I'm in, I love strats. I've played plenty of strats, have had many strats. Uh, it's a step, it's a step below the strat. You know, the strat has like, you know, you get five pickup selections and you've got the whammy bar that's interesting. And uh, you can do a lot of stuff with the strat. The, the tally kind of makes you have to kind of dig in and, and it, because there's, it doesn't give you, you know, you just have to play it. And uh, if you want to get some vibrato, you got to bend the neck or, you know, <laughs> whatever. Right. So I like the, I like the challenge of it, you know? Right. So what are you running your, uh, your telly into? I know you probably have several, but what's your main, main amp that you're going through now? I have my main amp. I got, I basically have a couple fender amps. Yeah. Uh, my main amp is a, is a black old blackface Princeton reverb, maybe a 65, 66. Mm-hmm. And then my other amp is a, a deluxe reverb, but I don't use it. It's a little loud. I love my Princeton reverb. It's been, uh, you know, I've had it for years, but it's, you know, it's been recapped and retubed and, um, it has the original Jensen in it, but that was reconed after a car accident. Um, but it just still sounds great. And I, that's, so that's like my number one amp. I just, uh, I really like, the Princeton Reverb. That's just a pretty great platform. When I was doing gigs out and about, it was except for like one gig that I was playing with, which was I needed to be louder. Um, when I was doing gigs with my own trio or backing somebody up, it's it was plenty loud enough. You know, things have changed in the last 20 years where, you know, clubs have now, or have now, much better PAs. So you don't need like a, a mark. I could not play with a Marshall stack. They would like not even let you in the club at this point, you know? Yeah. So I find that it's a great, it's a great amp and I use it. I play pretty quietly when, when, if it's a situation that I'm in charge of, I play quietly and I use a, I have a nice pedal board and I just, uh, so I use the amp on it, excuse me, as a clean amp and I use pedals for dirt and stuff. Right. Which is, which is my next question. <laughs> You know, okay. I, when I when I when I listen to you play, you know, a lot of the stuff like your own stuff when you do your trio in your um, I know some of that stuff's acoustic, but some of the stuff is really clean. It almost sounds like you're just, you know, going through the amp and that. So I was kind of curious, you know, what what would your board look like? I mean, what's on it? What do you? Well, OK, so today's board, like I have a board that. It's like what, if you look at my board, it's it's like semi neat because I I'm I like to constantly change things up on my board. But I um so I usually have like on my board I have a a Petty John. It's a buffer and it's a boost pedal. That's like the first thing that's on my chain. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if I'm using a fuzz, I'll put a fuzz in front of it. But uh, for right now, like what I'm doing right now is this week's. I usually have a, a buffer, boost pedal, an overdrive then some modulation stuff and then some wet stuff. And that's kind of it. I don't go, I don't, I don't have too much of, of anything. So right, like right now on the board this week, uh, I have a broadcast that's the, uh, made by a company in England called Hudson UK. That's my overdrive. And it's a two, it's like a, a two stage overdrive. So I, there's like a dirty and then an ex, more dirty situation really great sounding overdrive a little bit different sounding if i i have like tube screamers um i um 
uh, I've been using some pedals by a company called King Tone. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes uh, there's a, a a pedal called the Dualist, which is like it sounds really great. It's kind of like a, it has a tube screamer circuit and a Marshall is it Bluesbreaker circuit. So together, um, I like that pedal a lot. Uh, I have a use uh, a my buddy Greg Drummond makes a pedal called the Karma OD1, which is or is it called OD1? It's the Karma pedal. It's kind of based on an Ibanez MOSFET distortion. So what I do is instead of having 20 overdrives on my board, I'll just like, I'll play one for a while and I'll go, oh, I'm sick of this. And then I'll swap something out. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm going with right now. So the broadcast is, is in the lead position. Then I have a, a chase bliss audio pedal with, uh, there, these guys make all sorts of nice pedals. And I have a, on there, I have a pedal called warped vinyl, which does like chorusing or vibrato. I'm more of a vibrato guy than chorus. I have that on there. And then I have uh, two Catlin bread pedals for different echoes. One's called an add an echo, which is a simulation of a Tel Telray oil can mm-hmm. delay, you know, those old ones. And then an echo rec, which is a simulation of the old Vincent echo rec. And the, so I have two delay pedals on. I, um, I like using them together, actually, but to get this kind of weird, cool combination sound. But that's pretty subtle, like. Uh, unless I'm recording something where I want to hear a lot of echo, I, I keep my echoes low. And then, you know, I just like to have a little ambience for my guitar tone. And then I have a, a Strymon Flint pedal, which is a reverb and tremolo pedal. Yeah. Even though it has reverb and tremolo, and that's kind of like my go-to, there are times when I, like, I'd be in a studio and my amp would be tucked away in a, in a, uh, uh, you know, in the in a booth somewhere, so I couldn't get at the reverb or tremolo control. So I use it for that. And then when I when I have my amp and I use the reverb or tremolo, I put the uh, I use the reverb setting uh, turned up really high to get that pe- like Peter Green like too much reverb sound mm-hmm. uh, as an effect. So, and that's basically what I got. That's that's what I'm working with these days. Yeah, well, it, it sounds like a really nice configuration. I, I, I tell you, you know, the 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 tones that I've heard you, you know, with and that are really good. You know, um, I, I like it. I like I like a clean sound. You know, I like a, a crisp. I like to be able to hear what somebody's playing. You know what I mean? Uh, Sometimes there can be so much stuff going on that you can't really, you can't really, you know, form an idea of what's really happening. Well, for sure, you can, it, and they're making such incredible effects now. It's pretty yeah. easy to to hear a lot of effect, right? Yeah, because because it just sounds so great. You want to hear it a lot. My, you know, when I play with my trio, with, I play a lot of chord stuff. You, you know, even I'm, I'm not playing like a, tons of uh, soaring single note melody stuff. So I tend to favor a cleaner sound in general just so like so the chords can ring out well and 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 most on that record mostly on that record i use two amps i use my princeton i use the fender tweed champ an old tweed champ which was also kind of really running kind of clean uh so and 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 i might have used a touch of delay and and not so much other stuff so yeah I, i tend to like uh 
a cleaner tone. Like my hero in that is like Jim Campolongo. Do you know him? I do not. No. He's a guy from New York. He's a great telly player. He just plugs in his telly into a, deluxe, a Princeton reverb, puts everything on 10 and no effects and just gets a great, great, incredible tone, you know. <laughs> everything on 10. Everything on 10. Oh, wow. And he means, like I would see him in New York. He's great. He's a little bit like Bill Frizzell. He, he aimed his amp away from the audience because he knew it would be like yeah. ripping, people, ripping people apart. But it was a truly glorious sound. And there again, it is. A telly through a Princeton reverb. All you need after that is like a good outfit. I think you're pretty much set. <laughs> the, right, the right boots really make the, the whole thing go. Yeah. How do you feel about the uh, the, the whole Dumble uh, sound? You know, okay. I've had plenty of experience with Dumbles because I a dear friend of mine, the late, great Stephen Bruton, uh, had like five Dumbles. And when we, I produced a record he made. And so uh, Howard or Alexander, depending on how you're supposed to call him, he gave us like a bunch of amps to like use in the studio. And they were pretty great. Uh, I played through Stephen's Dumbles at gigs and stuff. I would fly down to Texas and he would like let me borrow an amp. And I never really got the greatest sound out of them, but I did have like a Dumble inspired amp. I've had a two rock. I had a uh, um, uh, a Fuchs, yeah, which was a great amp. Both, and I used the Fuchs when I played with Jackson on the last tours. Um, they're uh, they're good. They're like they're just like beefed up fenders. They're like very fast mm-hmm. compared to like, like my my Princeton Reverb. You know, that's like got a tiny little transformer. If I hit a note, if I hit it a little too hard, it's just gonna sag a little bit, right? Yeah. You know, and if I turn up the bass too high, it's going to get mushy. But those dumbbells don't do that, and the dumble inspired amps don't do that. They're kind of very feel like they've got a super quick attack. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really great. I mean, like when I hear people, like I hear people play through dumbbells or dumble inspired amps, uh, and I go, "Yeah, that's a great sound." But every time I personally like plug into one of those kind of amps, it doesn't really. I can't really. You know, the, the, the experience for me isn't quite there. So yeah. I guess I'm a Fender guy. <laughs> I used to play matchless amps for years, and yeah. I love those amps too. Yeah. I, I, I own a two-rock and a, and a Fuchs. I actually own a couple of Fuchs. And, as a matter of fact, I had Andy. I just did an interview with Andy Fuchs uh, just a couple of days oh, ago. Yeah. yeah. Great amps. I mean, I, I like the sound a lot, but I know – different people i kind of figured with your style you know with your history and that you probably had some experience with them and so well uh, i'm a, and i i admit it i am a total gear slut i mean it's yeah. just it's bad uh but i've kind of like i you know i'm at the point now where, okay i'm not gonna buy i don't need i've actually thinned my herd a lot and you know i don't need to buy 10 more amps because i well first of all i don't know who's going to be doing gigs it's going to be about a year before anybody's there's going to be gigs again yeah um so everything, you know, I think about what what I would be playing next, but I always, I've always, whatever it is, I always end up going back to the Fender at some point. So yeah, well, it's a, it's a, it's a true sound. I mean, it's, it's never failing. 
pretty it's pretty great you know and yeah. i've had some great marshals i you know i've had i've always liked actually i think marshals are great clean amps they have a thing you know mm-hmm. um so i love marshals but yeah absolutely i go i love now which two rock do you own i have the uh, classic reverb oh yeah that's a great okay so that's a great and a great pedal platform right? it, it is yes Beautiful. But, but that's like a hundred watt amp, right? Or do you got it is. Watts? It is a hundred watts. That's got so much headroom, right? Yeah. So that amp is never going to give it up. There's no, I don't know, unless there's like a, a saggy switch or something on there. Uh, <laughs> but they're great. They're kind of, a, it's a glorious big sound. And, you know, there's some great guys who are playing through them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll tell you what, if you, if you haven't, you know, I know this might, maybe this is off your beaten path. But if you if you haven't tried it, in that uh, Mesa Boogie came out with a Fillmore, it's called the the Fillmore. They make it in twenty five, fifty, and a hundred watt, and it was kind of inspired off of the old Fender Bassman platform. And it's a two channel amp. They're both channels are the exact same, and it's absolutely clean. And it really sounds nice. I bought the twenty five watt because I wanted to try it out. You know. And uh, and I absolutely love it. It's got a really really good clean sound, and it's perfect for pedals and stuff like that. So I don't know, just throwing it out. I I am pretty sure. Do you ever watch that uh, a YouTube show called That Pedal Show? Oh yeah. So didn't he play that on a recent episode? Yeah, they they they've had it on there. I think they even had Andy Timmons on there with it. Uh, and. Talking I about thought it. it sounded really good. In fact, he a beat it against what was the other amp that he had? A Lone Star. I had a Lone Star yeah. for a while, which I really liked. Yeah, that's a good uh, amp too. A good amp too. It was really heavy though. It was like, yeah. you know, when I go to the music store now, when I check a piece of amp out, you know, I check an amp out, I don't even plug it in. I try to pick it up first. <laughs> I'm like, can I get this into my car? Okay, yeah. I can't. But uh, I will say that the. Uh, he a he kind of a did the A B between the Lone Star and the Fillmore, and it it had a little bit a little slightly more girth, and it sounded really sweet. Yeah, it's a it's a nice it's a nice amp. It really is, it, and I paired it with a uh, a two twelve vertical Marshall cabinet, and I I got the green the greenbacks in there, and oh, yeah. it sounds so amazing, so good. Yeah, that's know? cool. Does can you get that amp? You you can get it to break up, right? It has a oh, master yeah. volume. Oh yeah. Or something. Yeah, um, it, it it's it's got a switch. It's got a switch on both channels because both channels are identical. But it's got a switch on both channels where you have you have a clean, you have uh you know a little bit of of a little bit of overdrive, and then you have a gain channel, and it's not like so over the top. You know what I mean? That it's you know, like some of the other boogies that are out there or anything like that, but you can get it to break up so that it's right at that point, right at that sweet spot. Yeah, it's really nice. That's awesome. I'll check it out. Because they're, you know, I, I've i had Mesa boogies in the past. I had like, at one point I had a, a Mark IV or a Mark V. And I'm like, yeah. talk about, you can't, you don't even know what to do with the amp that has that many switches. Right, right. Like, I think I, I'm not going to plug into that. I think I'm just going to look at it because it's got, I didn't know where to go with all these switches. Uh, but they, but I had a Lone Star and I thought that was a really fine amp. And yeah. it was, you know, it, but they do like to give you options. Like, like still, e- even with that simple amp to Fillmore, you get like 
two channels, but three options, you know? Yeah. It's like when you go to the deli, like if you go to a restaurant and you know, like there's 47 sandwich choices, you know, <laughs> you get the option anxiety. Yeah. So I, I got to ask you, you know, your history is, is vast. It's amazing. Um, I mean, did you ever imagine when you were taking those classical guitar lessons in the beginning that, you know, you would be here, you know, multiple decades down the road, having shared the stage with the performers that you have? I mean, did you ever imagine that that's what was going to happen? Not in a million years. I mean, really, I think when I was about 18 and I was playing in, in the bar band in Chicago and we were like, Okay, so we played a gig where we played behind the bar, and on the other side of the bar, there were go-go dancers. <laughs> yeah. Not topless, just regular straight-head go-go dancers. Right. But pretty much that was it. I thought that I had arrived, and, and I was probably would have been good with doing that for whatever, but I would never would have thought that I would have, you know, that I had the career that I did have. Yeah, because it's so, not just no, as a player. I, it's as I a, I'm sorry. It wasn't sorry. just as a player, though. You've produced, you know, you, you've written. I mean, you've you've pretty much ran the gamut. I've done a, hey, I've done a lot of stuff, I know. I would have never thought I would have done all this stuff. And I still, you know what, I, and it was all great. I loved doing it, but I'm still doing stuff. Like, I don't feel like, you know, I think I'm going to be one of those guys, you know, like dies at the gig. Yeah. You know, I'll be like 90. I'll hand my banjo or whatever it is I'm playing at 90 <laughs> off to the kid in the band. I go, I feel great. And that'll be it, you know. So right. I, uh, I never like, I didn't, I don't, I've been really lucky and I've gotten to work with great people. And, and I'm always looking, I'm enjoying I love doing music and I love doing my job. So, yeah. Uh, uh, I am, I'm still looking forward to making more music and doing more stuff. So yeah, it's been, it's been great. It's all been really great. I never thought I would do any of that stuff. And, uh, you know, no. I'm enjoying what's coming up next too. So which will be today, which will be today. We'll be talking to my pet spider and, uh, uh, heating up some dinner, you know, that's kind of what, you know, <laughs> are you, and are you, practicing. I might, I'm going to practice the piano next after our talk. There you go. Are you going to, are you going to make a new album anytime soon? Uh, you know, one of the things I've been doing recently is, um, I've been writing some ambient music that's basically keyboard based. And, um, so I've been putting some of that music in, uh, some teeny stuff, but, I just, uh, I'm putting some of that music in um, uh, a meditation app mm -hmm. called, uh, now it's going to be called My Life. So there's going to be some music of mine going on in there. But I, I, I know I, the, the guys, uh, you know, Jen and Jay from my trio are, have, are going, when are you going to make another record? And I, and I'm, so I got some stuff. I'm, I'm always writing. So I, the, I guess the short answer is yes, at some point. I'm not sure exactly when, but uh, I will do something. Yes, there will be more noises out of a guitar coming out of me, but I don't know what it'll be. <laughs> right, right. Well, I got to tell you, um, 
I've really appreciated you taking time out of your life to, to answer a few questions and for the opportunity to, to meet you and learn that you have a pet spider. No, he doesn't have a name, though. So <laughs> I know that I haven't gone completely mad with the self-quarantine stuff, but, yeah, uh, you know. Well, hopefully that'll, you know, things will open up and that'll all change and, you know, and people can get back to work because, you know, I know a lot of people in the industry as you do, and, you know, the, some people are really fortunate and don't have to worry so much, and then there's a lot of people that aren't as fortunate that – you don't need those gigs in order to survive. And, uh, it's, uh, it's going to be, I know it's been, uh, I have a lot of friends who are just, they have nothing. They don't, they're not, they can't do anything. There's no gigs. There's a little studio work and people are trying to make it work. You know, my friends who are singer songwriters are doing these, you know, shows on, you know, like us live streaming shows. And, you know, you have to just do what you have to do. Um, I think eventually there's, you know, there, first of all, the, the need to create music is universal. You know, people love music. It's like, it's not like something, it's not an option. It isn't like people just, it's a, it's a, it's a necessary component to human life, right? Music. It's just like art. It's just, it's, it's enriching and, and elevating. So, and I think people, the people that make it are, that's what they do, right? They make music. They don't do it because they want to be rich or anything. They want to serve, they want to thrive doing your music, but they're, they, people who make music, music, do music. Cause that's what they do. It's a calling. Right. So they're going to, people are going to figure out ways to be able to create music and to survive. And I think the situation that we're in right now is not a forever thing. So, you know, if people, is it, you know, let's hope we can all hang in there long enough for where they start you know, I can imagine them the next gig I'll be playing, everybody will have masks on and they'll be like, you know, you can, well, you can stand in that little blue square over there, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it'll probably be gigs with half the amount of the audience, which is it, you know, in, in my case, that means like it'll be one person instead of two. <laughs> I'll be plenty of room for him. They'll have to have a trap door on the mask so that they can open it up to drink and exactly. uh, eat their food. Exactly. <laughs> that's funny that's funny it's a crazy world but you know as long as you know i'm hoping that we all just get through this and yeah uh, you know stay safe stay well yeah well yeah. i hope that once it all you know turns around and you get back to normal hopefully you'll come to chicago and play and i'll get the opportunity to come see your trio because you know i'm really enjoying you know the two albums that that i've heard you maybe have uh, do you have more than that that maybe I'm not familiar no. with? Okay. No, I have I have three records out. I did a solo record, a solo like like solo guitar, two thousand and five. Then I did okay. I did a solo. I did a duo record with my buddy Eric Sky, who's a killer guitar player. He lives up in Portland. We get together a couple times a year to play. We did. Um, and uh, then I did a record with my trio. Yeah, yeah. And, the one in 05, I, I didn't I didn't know about the one in 05. Uh, that's like, I, yeah, that's a solo record. It's kind of like solo jazz guitar, but it's not jazzy. It's more like a Ralph Toner trying to be me, trying to be Ralph Toner, being cool, <laughs> me, me trying to be cool. <laughs> okay. I failed at that, but it is it is out there. So yeah, it's on. It's just called Mark Goldenberg. You can find it on your. Uh, 
platform of your choice. Very good. Well, but it's, that's it. That's me in a nutshell. I appreciate the time. I do. And I wish you all the best. Stay safe and stay healthy. And Same to you. Well, it's great talking to you. Yes, same here, Mark. I appreciate your time. I really do. My pleasure. All the best, buddy. Well, there you have it, everybody. Mark Goldenberg, guitar extraordinaire. That guy is just fantastic. I'm telling you. Make sure you go to his website. That's markgoldenberg.com. Check out his music on all the you know media outlets like Spotify and Google and iTunes and all that good stuff. Uh, follow him. Go see him when he plays. And that, keep up with him. He's a really great, terrific player. At the same time, make sure you're following us at Guitar Talk on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and all those great places. Also, make sure you're going to JimmyWarrenOfficial.com. You can get updates on all the stories and shows that are coming up. And then, of course, here on Anchor FM, that's Guitar Talk with Jimmy Warren. Until next time, I'll see you later.